Where is my gracious Lord of Canterbury? Not here in presence. Send for him, good uncle. Shall we call him the ambassador, my liege? Not yet, my cousin. We would be resolved before we hear him of some things of weight that task our thoughts concerning us and France. God and his angels guard your sacred throne and make you long become it. Sure, we thank you. My learned Lord, we pray you to proceed and justly and religiously unfold why the law Salic that they have in France or should or should not bar us in our claim. And God forbid, my dear and faithful Lord, that you should fashion, rest, or bow your reading, or nicely charge your understanding soul with opening titles miscreate, whose right suits not in native colors with the truth. For God doth know how many now in health shall drop their blood in approbation of what your reverence shall incite us to. Therefore take heed how you impawn our person, how you awake our sleeping sword of war. We charge you in the name of God, take heed. For never two such kingdoms did contend without much fall of blood, whose guiltless drops are every one a woe, a sore complaint against him whose wrongs gives edge unto the swords that makes such waste in brief mortality. Under this conjuration speak, my lord, for we will hear, note, and believe in heart that what you speak is in your conscience washed as pure as sin with baptism. Then hear me, gracious sovereign, and you peers, that owe yourselves, your lives, and services to this imperial throne. There is no bar to make against your highness claim to France but this, which they produce from Faramond. In terum salicam mulieris ne succedent. No woman shall succeed in Salic land. Which Salic land the French unjustly gloss to be the realm of France, and Faramond, the founder of this law and female bard. Yet their own authors faithfully affirm that the land Salic is in Germany, between the floods of Zal and of Elbe, where Charles the Great, having subdued the Saxons, there left behind and settled certain French who, holding in disdain the German women for some dishonest manners of their life, established then this law to wit, no female should be inheritrix in Salic land, which Salic as I said, twixt Elbe and Saal, is at this day in Germany called Meissen. Then doth it well appear the Salic law was not devised for the realm of France, nor did the French possess the Salic land until 401 and 20 years after the function of King Faramond, idly supposed the founder of this law who died within the year of our redemption, 426. And Charles the Great subdued the Saxons and did seat the French beyond the river Sal in the year 805. Besides their writers say, King Pepin, which deposed Childeric did as heir general, being descended of Blithild, who was daughter to King Clothar, make claim 
and title to the crown of France. Hugh Capet also, who usurped the crown of Charles, the Duke of Lorraine, sole heir male of the true line and stock of Charles the Great, to find his title with some shows of truth, though in pure truth it was corrupt and not, conveyed himself as the heir to the Lady Lingar, daughter to Charlemagne, who was the son of Louis the Emperor and Louis the son of Charles the Great. Also King Louis X, who was sole heir to the usurper Capet, could not keep quiet in his conscience wearing the crown of France till satisfied that fair Queen Isabel, his grandmother, was lineal of the Lady Ermengarde, daughter to Charles, the foresaid Duke of Lorraine, by the which marriage the line of Charles the Great was reunited to the crown of France. So that, as clear as is the summer sun, King Pepin's title and Hugh Capet's claim, King Louis his satisfaction, all appear to hold in right and title of the female. So do the kings of France unto this day, howbeit they would hold up the Salic law to bar your highness claiming from the female, and rather choose to hide them in a net than amply to embar their crooked titles, usurped mm -hmm. from you and your progenitors. May I with right and conscience make this claim? The sin upon my head, dread sovereign, for in the book of Numbers is it writ, when the man dies, let the inheritance descend unto the daughter. Gracious Lord, stand for your own, unwind your bloody flag, look back into your mighty ancestors. Go, my dread Lord, to your great grandsire's tomb from whom you claim. Invoke his warlike spirit and your great uncles, Edward, the Black Prince, who on the French ground played a tragedy making defeat on the full power of France, whilst his most mighty father on a hill stood smiling to behold his lion's whelp foraging in blood of French nobility. O oh, noble English that could entertain with half their forces the full pride of France, and let another half stand laughing by, all out of work and cold for action, Awake remembrance of these valiant dead, and with your puissant arm renew their feats. You are the heir, you sit upon their throne, the blood and courage that renowned them runs in your veins, and my thrice puissant liege is in the very maymorn of his youth, ripe for exploits and mighty enterprises. Your brother kings and monarchs of the earth do all expect that you should rouse yourself, as did the former lions of your blood. They know your grace hath cause and means and might. So hath your highness, never king of England, had nobles richer and more loyal subjects, whose hearts have left their bodies here in England and lie pavilioned in the fields of France. Oh, let their bodies follow, my dear liege with bloods and sword and fire to win your right 
in aid whereof we of the spirituality will raise your highness such a mighty sum as never did the clergy at one time bring in to any of your ancestors. We must not only arm to invade the French, but lay down our proportions to defend against the Scot, who will make road upon us with all advantages. They of those marches, gracious sovereign, shall be a wall sufficient to defend our inland from the pilfering borders. We do not mean the coursing snatchers only, but fear the main intendment of the Scot who hath been still a giddy neighbor to us. For you shall read that my great-grandfather never went with his forces into France, but that the Scot, on his unfurnished kingdom, came pouring like the tide into a breach, with ample and brim fullness of his force, galling the gleaned land with hot assays, girding with grievous siege castles and towns, that England, being empty of defense, hath shook and trembled at the ill neighborhood. She hath been then more feared than harmed, my liege, for hear her but exampled by herself, when all her chivalry hath been in France, and she a mourning widow of her nobles, she hath herself not only well defended, but taken and impounded as a stray the King of Scots, whom she did send to France to fill King Edward's fame with prisoner kings, and make their chronicle as rich with praise as is the ooze and bottom of the sea with sunken wreck and sunless treasuries. But there is a saying very old and true, if that you will France win, then with Scotland first begin. For once the eagle, England, being in prey to her unguarded nest, the weasel Scot comes sneaking and so sucks her princely eggs, playing the mouse in absence of the cat to tame and have it more than she can eat. It follows then the cat must stay at home, yet that is but a crush necessity. Since we have locks to safeguard necessaries and pretty traps to catch the petty thieves. While that the armed hand doth fight abroad, the advised heads defends itself at home. For government, though high and low and lower, put into parts, doth keep in one consent, congreeing in a full and natural close, like music. Therefore doth heaven divide the state of man in diverse functions, setting endeavor in continual motion to which is fixed as an aim or but obedience. For so work the honeybees, mm. creatures that by a rule in nature teach the act of order to a peopled kingdom. They have a king and officers of sorts, where some like magistrates correct at home, others like merchants venture trade abroad, others like soldiers armed in their stings make boot upon the summer's velvet buds, which pillage they with merry march bring home to the tent royal of their emperor, who busied in his majesty surveys the singing masons building roofs of gold, the civil citizens kneading up the honey, the poor mechanic porters crowding in their heavy burdens at his narrow gate, the sad-eyed justice 
with his surly hum delivering o'er to executors pale the lazy yawning drone. I, I thus infer that many things having full reference to one consent may work contrariously as many arrows lucid several ways come to one mark, as many ways meet in one town, as many fresh streams meet in one salt sea, as many lines close in the dial's center. So may a thousand actions once afoot end in one purpose and be all well-born without defeat. Therefore to France, my liege, divide your happy England into four, whereof take you one quarter into France, and you withal shall make all Gallia shake. If we, with thrice such powers left at home, cannot defend our own doors from the dog. Let us be worried and our nation lose the name of hardiness and policy. Call in the messengers sent from the Dauphin. Now are we well resolved and by God's help and yours, the noble sinews of our power, France being ours, we'll bend it to our awe or break it all to pieces. For there we'll sit, ruling in large and ample empery or France and all her almost kingly dukedoms, or lay these bones in an unworthy urn, tombless, with no remembrance over them. Either our history shall with full mouth speak freely of our acts, or else our grave, like Turkish mute, shall have a tongueless mouth, not worshipped with a waxen epitaph. Now are we well prepared to know the pleasure of our fair cousin Dauphin, for we hear your greeting is from him, not from the king. May it please your majesty to give us leave freely to render what we have in charge, or shall we sparingly show you far off the Dauphin's meaning and our embassy? We are no tyrant, but a Christian king, unto whose grace our passion is as subject as is our wretches fettered in our prisons. Therefore, with frank and with uncurbed plainness, tell us the Dauphin's mind. Thus then, in few. Your Highness, lately sending into France, did claim some certain dukedoms in the right of your great predecessor, King Edward III, in answer of which claim, the prince, our master, says that you savor too much of your youth and bid you be advised. There's not in France that can be with a nimble galliard one. You cannot revel into dukedoms there. He therefore sends you, meter for your spirit, this ton of treasure. And in lieu of this, desires you let the dukedoms that you claim hear no more of you. This the dolphin speaks. What treasure, uncle? Tennis balls, my liege. <laughs> we are glad the dolphin is still pleasant with us. His present and your pains we thank you for. When we have matched our rackets to these balls, we will in France, by God's grace, play a set shall strike his father's crown into the hazard. 
Tell him he hath made a match with such a wrangler that all the courts of France will be disturbed with chases, and we understand him well, how he comes o'er us with our wilder days, not measuring what use we made of them. We never valued this poor seat of England, and therefore living hence did give ourselves to barbarous license, as tis ever common that men are merriest when they are from home. But tell the dolphin I will keep my state, be like a king, and show my sail of greatness when I do rouse me in my throne of France. For that I have laid by my majesty, and plotted like a man for working days, but I will rise there with so full a glory that I will dazzle all the eyes of France, yea, strike the dolphin blind to look on us. And tell the pleasant prince, this mock of his hath turned his balls to gunstones, and his soul shall stand sore charged for the wasteful vengeance that shall fly with them. For many a thousand widows shall this his mock, mock out of their dear husbands, mock mothers from their sons, mock castles down. And some are yet ungotten and unborn that shall have cause to curse the dauphin's scorn. But this lies all within the will of God to whom I do appeal, and in whose name tell you the Dauphin I am coming on to avenge me as I may, and to put forth my rightful hand in a well-hallowed cause. So, get you hence in peace, and tell the Dauphin his jest will savor but of shallow wit when thousands weep more than did laugh at it convey them with safe conduct. Very well. This was a merry message. We hope to make the sender blush at it. Therefore, my lords, omit no happy hour that may give furtherance to our expedition. For we have now no thought in us but France, save those to God that run before our business. Therefore, let our proportions for these wars be soon collected, and all things thought upon that may with reasonable swiftness add more feathers to our wings. For God before, we'll chide this dolphin at his father's door. Therefore, let every man now task his thought that this fair action may on foot be brought.